revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call. This is Dr. Elena George, and our show is all about living in the solutions. Today I have a new friend, and I'm hoping a long-term friend and colleague who's joining me today. It's Dr. Brian Hill. He is, and I'm going to let him really run with this, but he is involved in the founder of Hip Nation, which here in Georgia is an, an innovative and, I think, progressive and what people need to know about, a delivery system for healthcare that's affordable for everybody, the self-pay patient. And I think it's going to put pressure on the commercial-based insurance plans and those patients who buy them to see that there's an alternative, that you don't have to be priced out, that you can see a physician who actually cares about what he or she's doing and is not an advocate for or I should say the agent for their insurance companies, but rather an advocate for the patient. It's something that's really important to me as an independent doctor. And, Brian, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a urologist here in Atlanta. And tell us a little bit about your practice and how you got rolling with Hip Nation. Sure. Well, Alina, first, I agree. I look forward to, one, a new friendship and and to a long-lasting relationship. I, I think... Uh, I love finding people with a similar mind and similar DNA with that sole focus on how do we as physicians take control back for health care so that our patients are able to access and get great care and our fellow colleagues are able to focus on the thing that they were called to do, which is take care of our patients. So uh, I look forward to our walk from this point forward. For Hip Nation, and all for me, and, and I'll start my um, I am a practicing urologist. I, I work in the Northside St. Joseph's area, but I'm down to working a day a week. Love medicine. I think that medicine is one of the, the greatest callings that, that we can pursue as, as individuals. It's part of what we're supposed to do is caring for others. But the reality was, and, and I think you would agree that you saw this as well, that when we come out of our medical school and residency after we've spent you know, a decade learning how to understand managing people, taking care of people, operate on people, diagnose, treat, all of those difficult intricacies that are medicine and understand that how difficult it is to treat this, this body and to treat it well. And we come out of all of that training and the very first course that, that we take is a coding and billing seminar. And and for me, that was kind of that eye-opening reality of, wait a minute, I, my, my goal in life was to train to be a doctor, to care for people, and, and then you come out and realize that it's more about the codes and it's more about billing and, and hitting the right boxes on the computer system in order to get paid, and, and, and that's where I think you'll see that that drive to do something different, and that certainly was my, my initiation into, wait a minute, something's wrong with the way this system is arranged. You know, I, I'm coming to add it from the same point of view as, as you do. I mean, you spend, this is what you you love doing and what you're put on this earth to do. And there comes a wall, you know, this point where you decide, I'm not happy, 
but I don't want to give up what I love, but I have to find another way around it. And I've been in practice since, what, 98, but I opened my own practice in 2001. And what I noticed is that it was the beginning of the problem. The capitation was coming online. That was a disaster. And as a specialist, you and I both were in the position where we were being kept from seeing patients because of gatekeeping by the primary care docs. And it, patients weren't happy, and the system was broken, and all they did really in the last X number of years is double down on the worst parts of the healthcare system, make it harder to access, put the onus on the patient, make them pay more so they'll self-deny and self-remove um, uh, themselves from the system. And the, the system's still costing everybody money, but the patients aren't getting what they're paying for. And I think HipNation was that the thought behind it was really cool because it actually cuts the middleman out, doesn't it? Uh, That's exactly right. Uh, There there are way too many people. Just like you said, uh, the idea of of insurance has continued to grow and expand and change over time. And and we put all these different words around it, you know, whether it is, you know, capitation, you know, whether it's through HMOs, whether it's POSs, whether it's you know, fully insured products, whatever it may be, you know, we have all of this insurance-based terminology and, and the system had become so much in control of healthcare that that really the the tail was wagging the dog. I mean, mm-hmm. healthcare was supposed to be about managing people and taking care of people, and yet it has become that the system tells healthcare what to do, and all of those people that tell healthcare you know what to do you know, add a lot of barriers to care. They add cost to care. And if you look at you know studies that have you know come out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's been a 3,300% growth in the administrators in healthcare mm-hmm. during the past 40 years where there's been only a 150% growth in physicians. And all of those people that are on the backs of physicians are being paid for by rising healthcare costs that our you know, patients are having to pay. And so we said it's time for us to take all of those administrators, all of those bureaucrats, all of those inhibitors for access to care that drive up the price of care, it's time for us to disintermediate the system and pull them out of it and make healthcare what it was supposed to be. Patient and a physician interacting and engaging in a way to create great relationships and allow physicians to do what they were trained to do, provide great care. Are you getting any pushback? I mean, I always get questions when I do interviews about what it's like to buck the system and, you know, I get accolades for being brave, but I don't, I don't have a choice. It's, it's, it's my moral and ethical and Hippocratic oath that makes me have to do this. What about this? I mean, you're now embarking on a huge stress on a system that's a mono, you know, it's, it's, it's a monolith. Are you getting pushback? What's, how is it for you at this point? We've been a little bit under the radar, which is a great place to be. I mean, I, I jokingly say that we kind of want to you know, step in and do what Airbnb did to the you know, hospitality industry, what Uber did to the taxicab industry, what you know Toyota did when it first stepped into the marketplace of the you know big three automakers and disrupted the automobile industry. That mm-hmm. you coming under the radar, you start providing a great product that's a great service to the people that you're supposed to be taking care of, and and over time you grow to the point where it just becomes too late for the big players that you've already established a. a a great following of people that see and believe in what you're doing. 
So we've been a little below the radar. I have had one of the large insurers, they're, they're, I love this that they had this on his tagline, the director of competitive intelligence uh, <laughs> actually sent me an email wow. and wow. wanted to go out for, for, for coffee and talk about what we were doing. Uh, so, of course, I had to take them up on it just because it was fun. But uh, So we're a little below the radar, but you're right. It is coming because, you know, that, that industry that's been built around healthcare, and we all know this, and I think our, our patients know this, they make a tremendous amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, being an intermediary that really brings little value in the day-in and day-out management of, of healthcare. Well, let's actually tease that apart a little bit because – I'm getting, you know, when I'm sure you interview all the time and you get the same question. Well, what about the people who can't afford it? Why don't they, you know, you have to have insurance because of the high cost. What do you think? I know you, you touched on it briefly with the administrators, but what's your opinion on what the root cause of this outrageous um, cost structure system is? Because it's so different than self-pay. When you pay for cash, it's a fraction and it's a real cost. How on earth did it did it get to this point where everybody was being gouged? Yeah, it was kind of that that frog in the pot kind of thing. It was just you know becoming you know over time and certainly you know the idea of insurance and employer sponsored insurance. We don't go down that boring pathway about how that initially came about and you know in the late 40s as part of the wage and price controls, but. You know, the, the idea of insurance stepping into the space of healthcare has just continued to morph over time and, and really took on an acceleration in the kind of late 70s, early 80s, you know, where it really just became endemic in every aspect of healthcare. It's just every touch in the healthcare system now is, is completely affiliated and associated with insurance. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem out of that and, and the price comes out, issues that come out of that is that when you look at a primary care physician, and, and you look at a study, there was a study from Harvard Business Review. Uh, they found that there are about 10 full-time equivalent employees per primary care doctor that have nothing to do with actually providing care. There are employees of the physician in order to try to help them get paid. There are employees of the, of the uh, insurance companies in order to try to keep the physicians from not getting paid. There are consultants and, and accountants and lawyers and all of those people that are interact, you know, engaged in playing with the system rather than providing care. Mm-hmm. And if we want, right, our calling, our goal is to, to make health care affordable and accessible, We've got to see that that's the disease. The, the, you know, that disease is that there is that healthcare touching everything, all the costs are touching everything, much less to talk about how disruptive that is in the physician's office. And yet, if we can somehow go about and remove that and put it in a place where it's supposed to exist, those rare, high cost, catastrophic events, then medicine becomes a lot more affordable because the physicians that are providing care are getting paid for the care they're providing. They don't have to deal with all of that administrative hassle. And insurance, I'm a fan of insurance. I have insurance on my car and insurance on my house. Um, but that insurance should be there for a rare cost event that can bankrupt people. And if you just insure that, as opposed to the day-in, day-out cough, colds, and sniffles, then insurance becomes much more affordable. And so I've always seen healthcare, and, and I've been traveling and talking a lot about healthcare. You know, everybody talks about the three-legged stool of, of, you know, cost, quality, and access. And I'd always been 
you know, kind of a push of going, we've got to drive quality, we've got to drive quality, which I, I, I'm a wholehearted believer in. But the reality becomes that we've got to find the price problem in healthcare mm-hmm. in order for us to be able to drive down the price so that people can access care, you know, and, and then we can start also, you know, start bringing in and say, how do we really then drive quality of care within that same construct? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about what you said is that in, now in, the day, in this day and age, quality of care is actually cheaper. <laughs> you know, the, the, yes. the, and that's what people never, they don't believe you when you say, you can see a physician, you can spend as much time as you need to with your doctor, and it's going to cost you less if you don't use your insurance card. That's the thing that we really need to get, to, to get out there because it's the opposite of what people think. They think you have to spend thousands of dollars, and it's actually you're getting really co- kind of hosed when you spend. The more money you spend, the less you get at this point. No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's it. And and the reality becomes that you, know, you change the system and, and get rid of all the administrative costs and all the bureaucracy out of the place with healthcare where it doesn't, the price point starts dropping drastically and the quality of care rises, you know, as mm-hmm. well because now your physician gets to focus on you as a patient. You know, your physician isn't distracted, you know, trying to meet the, the needs of the insurance industry. They're not distracted trying to meet, you know, the regulations that are coming down from the federal government that have nothing to do with providing quality care. Those are, are silly metrics created by bureaucrats. When care actually becomes focused on the person sitting in front of you as a physician in an office, that care becomes in you know, astronomically better. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, is that we see that coming to fruition you know, in the types of models that, that we, you know, we are setting up here in healthcare. It's, it's interesting. Not only is it better from the doctor's perspective, but the patient now has a dog in the hunt. There's something to be said for when it's your money and you know, and it's coming out of your pocket, or at least you're closer to it, that you're going to start asking questions. Do I really need to have this procedure? Why is it being done? Can I do something instead of taking medication? You know, they're, 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 they become healthcare consumers. And to me, that's the underpinning of good healthcare and a good doctor-patient relationship. Don't you agree? Oh, I, I, compl- I completely agree. I mean, the, the idea of bringing back out this price transparency. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, removing insurance out of the place of, of health care and, and having health care be health care, you know, one, we start driving down the price of care. And, and But two, we also start making price transparent, mm-hmm. you know, so that when somebody, yet, like you said, gets referred to go see a specialist, somebody comes and sees somebody like you, you or me, and I said, oh, this is what the price is for you to come and see me. You come and you pay me that price. Then you, now you're starting to be aware of price. Now you're going to carry a level of expectation of quality for the price that's coming about. And you're also going to create that consumerism, you know, that people will exactly like you said, go, well, is there a better alternative? Do I necessarily maybe need that CT scan? Do I need the MRI? And, and certainly our job as physicians is to say, well, yes, this is necessary. Or maybe there is another lower cost alternative. Um, but Two, and the pushback that you oftentimes get from people in this kind of conversation about, you know, we call it price tension, right? That that tension of, of you know, spending your own money and, and, the, and the concern about that. People go, well, my goodness, if you want to go have to have somebody get an MRI or a CT scan, well, if they can't afford it, then and that price tension is too great. They just can't go buy it. I said, well, certainly that price tension is worse in today's healthcare system. Because when you insure that CT scan or you insure that MRI, you know, what you're in essence doing is you're taking a, a CT scan or an MRI that 
could be quite affordable. And in our system, when patients pay, you know, $250 for a CT scan at cash, if they did that through an insurance-based product, they're talking about anywhere from $17 to $1,400. And that's me being really conservative in that, in that statement. And so the price coming down actually creates more accessibility and, and a better understanding of how people can spend their money. I think that's an excellent point. And that's real world. You know, we're not talking about pie in the sky. This is this is now, here and now. We're both sending patients who have self-pay or cash-based um, patients for these scans, for these labs, and they're a fraction. And first of all, you know what the cost is. That's the key. If I ever send somebody for a CT and they have an insurance, I have no idea what to tell them that they're going to that they're going to pay. I, I can only tell them, well, your deductible will, will be um, applied, but I have no idea what how much it really is. And that's, un, that's really unacceptable if you really think about it. Well, it's a great game that's been set up. If you're an insurance company, that, that you know, there's no price transparency, there's no price awareness. You know, you can, I mean, I, I tell people, call up you know, and try to see if you can get the price of an MRI from one of the major hospital systems uh, and it's almost like you're asking them to, to, you know, speak Chinese here in the United <laughs> States. It's just they don't, they don't get it. It's true. And, and it's just a sad statement. And, and then fortunately that's the reality of it. And that's why, you know, that you'll find an MRI that, you know, is $4,000 and people don't know it. The average deductible for an individual in the United States right now for an individual is $4,800 in the individual market. And if you have to go in and get an MRI for four, you know, for four thousand dollars, that's that's unaffordable. Mm-hmm. And the problem becomes is that more often people only find that out though about sixty or ninety days later mm-hmm. when they get a bill back in the mail. They go in and they pay a copay at the time, but then they get applied to their deductible and it comes back as a bill later, and they bought something that they couldn't afford. And we wonder why. You know, healthcare costs are one are one of the top leading you know causes of bankruptcy in the United States. It's not a surprise when you put it that way. And this is a completely uneven playing field. We're held to some strange, usual, and customary that's made up by the insurance company, which has got nothing to do with the cost of doing business or any inflation. And they get to make up whatever charge they want at a facility fee. Um, tack on all sorts of surcharges that are, are hidden, I think, and the patient just has to take it, you know. And I think, you know, let's take a break because when we come back, I want to ask your opinion on this movement towards single payer because I think it's just going to exacerbate the entire problem. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call where we're living in the solution. We're speaking with Dr. Brian Hill, a urologist here in Atlanta, and a, 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 a maven, and I would say a, a visionary, about how our healthcare system should be. And he has made a dream into a reality. Um, it's known as Hip Nation. And before the break, Brian, we were talking about this single payer mantra, as if having the government take over everything would magically decrease administrative fees, decrease cost, increase access, and everybody can get something for nothing, whether they're here as a citizen or not. What's your opinion on that? Well, the problem in that situation is is all we're doing is first, you know, further exacerbating what are the current problems in the, in the healthcare system. 
it's that simple thing. It's what, it's what you and I do every day, Alina. We, we are physicians that, that we take a look at symptoms. You know, we look at cost problems and access problems and, and disparities in care in the healthcare system. We take a look at those and, and you and I will dissect those to try to figure out the why. You know, why is there this problem in there? And, and the why is that there's way too little price transparency. You know, there's way too much, you know, third party payer that is either the insurance company and the federal government. They're both third party payers. And, and they create all the bureaucracy and all the costs and, and all of the unnecessary burden on physicians and the patients bearing those costs. You know, that's the disease in the system. Well, you don't fix that disease by, well, further exacerbating the disease. And you're just taking, say, okay, I'm going to move out the, the third-party payer that's the commercial portion of this, and I'm just going to make the whole third-party payer the federal government. Well, that's still part of the disease. And and so you're not going to fix that problem by doing that. And and so bureaucracy will continue to grow. Costs on the back of physicians will continue to, to grow. And while those costs might be hidden from society a little bit because it can get paid through taxation, the reality is those costs come to bear through decreasing access to care, perhaps longer wait times, you know, less innovation in the space of, of healthcare delivery, you know, and there is is a ongoing and, and growing snowball rolling down the hill type of effect when we continue to just follow the same path and follow the same disease processes. That's why we need to do something that treats the disease. We need to do something innovative and disruptive, not just take a broken model and just put it under the auspices of the government. It, do something completely and radically different. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I, I always thought about how single-payer would roll out. People talk about the U.K. and, and uh, Canada as a government is the direct payer. I think it will be an American, a uniquely American uh, example of what that is, and I think it's going to be administrated by the insurance companies, like Medicare for Medicare Advantage, for mm-hmm. example. So they'll just become more powerful. They'll still be the middlemen getting money, but it's going to be taxpayer money now. It's an unlimited pot. I can only imagine the costs would only continue to go up, and we'd have no game in town if they had their way. Hip Nation wouldn't exist. No other free market uh, alternative would exist. They would want to be the only game in town, so you're stuck. Is that something yeah, that you ever thought about? You're right. <laughs> no, I think you're 100% right. I mean, we've always, I mean, I've always taken a look at the big players in the insurance-based market, and, so, and, and they love you know, what, what came down the pipeline, certainly with the Affordable Care Act, that they were certainly supporters behind it. And I think they were all jockeying to be the one that actually is the single payer, that mm-hmm. they were the, the, the intermediary for the single payer. Uh, that it really wasn't going to be a payer through the, you know, through the government. It was going to be taxes flowing through, you know, a large entity like United Healthcare or Anthem or somebody of that sort or some consolidation of them that would be the ones providing, you know, their, or acting as the payer for, uh, physicians. And the sad part and the, and the beauty, the beauty of it all, you know, when you would take a look at innovation and, and, and trying to do something different. You know, why are we going to look backwards? Why are we going to look at other countries that are doing single payer and, and they're struggling in rising costs and, and disparities in care? And you and I both know that there are outshoots of a free market that happen in the UK in the national health system that happens in Canada that those who have the means are going to go pay out of pocket mm-hmm. to, to physicians that have popped out of the system. 
why are we looking at a system that is struggling and broken and going, oh, we're going to envy that and we're going to do that, instead of going, we are smart, innovative, progressive people. Let's find a unique way that is better than what's been, been done before and really bring that forward. And that's what excites us what we're doing with HipNation is going, I'm not going to look at a broken system. We're going we're gonna to be innovative. We're not going to continue to walk backwards following broken economic delivery models. We're going to do something that is, is forward-looking. I think you've made a perfectly you – know, someone who's read, obviously, this is the thing. You know – I know because we've actually looked at these systems. It's not, you can't get something for nothing. It doesn't work that way. I remember when I was a kid, well, not that much of a child, but looking at the UK system, they used to deny care for for seniors. Like it stopped at a certain age. You know, um, my dad is from Antigua in the Caribbean, UK system. They don't cover their seniors after they reach uh, 65. So they just withdraw their insurance altogether. I mean, so this is not what it's all cracked up to be. You know, you're not going to get something for nothing. And I think you've made a couple of statements that I, I want to reiterate. You're going to wait longer for care. You're going to de- they're going to decide what's medically necessary. You're, I see now, you know, the Affordable Care Act has been a huge movement towards paying for hospice, paying for end-of-life decisions, but not paying for medically, you know, medical and medical uh, treatment like a hip replacement or mm-hmm. something. And that's what they're going to do. They'll, they'll make you wait. They'll make wait you out. They'll, you'll get diagnosed later. This is not really the same kind of health care. And what really strikes me is that they always talk about underrepresented and disparities. I think it exacerbates disparities because it will be those yes. that are more equal than others. No, you're 100% right, and, and I agree. That's why I take a look and I go, let's be better. Let's be smarter. You know, let's go out and try to find a way to really drive down the price of care. You know, why is healthcare so expensive? You know, why does it cost somebody to come and see a specialist, you know, $380 to see a specialist? Why is that the case to spend 15 minutes with a specialty mm-hmm. physician? You know, why does it cost you, you know, to get lab, something as simple as a blood draw, this is where we should pause in society and think a little bit. You know, for me to go get a simple blood test called a complete blood count, a CBC, you know, why does that cost, you know, $40? It's a simple little blood test. Does it really cost $40? And and if we can find a way to take that complete blood count that the insurance has charged $40 and actually get it for the real price of $2.30, Now, now healthcare starts becoming more affordable. Exactly. You know, if I can take a CT scan from, like I said, fourteen hundred dollars to two fifty-five, it's more affordable. If we can take a knee replacement from thirty-seven thousand dollars, which is the cost for an inpatient knee replacement in the Metro Atlanta area, and take it down to nineteen thousand dollars, it's more affordable. And and now we have, and since we're now not spending overspending unnecessarily on healthcare. Now those dollars that we have in healthcare can go further. And and so that's really what we're trying to do is can we really drive the price point down to a better price point without negatively impacting the quality of care? Because somebody paying directly for a lab for two dollars and thirty cents as opposed to insurance for forty dollars that doesn't negatively impact quality of care. Getting a CT scan cheaper mm-hmm. doesn't negatively impact quality of care. Getting a knee replacement at a lower price because it's being done in a more economically efficient way 
doesn't impact the quality of care. And like you said, actually, and perfectly well, it actually makes healthcare better and more affordable and higher quality uh, because we're not being distracted by all the other intermediaries telling us what it really needs to practice medicine. Now, if you take that one step further, what you just described, and then apply that to the government-based system, if they could get into the action of knowing, hey, we can access this system too, imagine how much money that they would have left over to cover indigent people with catastrophic illnesses without bankrupting everybody. Now, that's real equal access to health care. And that excites me. Yeah, that's what starts exciting me because I take a look and, and I take a look around our society and, and, and I, I, I know you and I are of the same DNA that I feel like I've been called on this earth to take care of my fellow brothers and sisters and, and we are supposed to be the caretakers of the least amongst us. And, and right now we're doing a really, really poor job of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're giving them a poor insurance product called Medicaid, you know, that, that tries to allow them to access a high cost healthcare system. You know, and and by doing that, you know, we have taken a payer that doesn't pay physicians very well. So physicians aren't very excited about taking care of Medicaid patients. And it makes Medicaid become really expensive because when their Medicaid recipients have to touch health care, health care is really expensive. Imagine if we drove down the cost of care and actually got rid of Medicaid in its current place of being really a, a terrible low-cost payer in health care and actually equalize the payment between what our you know, those are at least amongst us can, are paying for healthcare services, but made it more equitable to what our regular common citizens are paying in healthcare. Their quality of their care will go up, yeah. and and that really then starts bringing forward real, true access to healthcare to the least amongst us. I absolutely agree. On that note, let's take another break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. And before the break, Dr. Hill and I were speaking, and I think this is about the future. If we could change the mindset of people from the answer is the government to the answer is us, I think we would do a lot better. I mean, if people could, the people who are proponents of single payer, if they really understood, and this is what I think, this is the, the opacity as opposed to the transparency. They think that 
there's nothing to do about the health care costs, that they're, they're immovable and that the government has to step in to take over because it, there's nothing you can do about it. But if people really understood what we just said, which was a mouthful, I think, that if we could drive the system, well, you can keep the middleman if you want. I think it should be gone. But if they're under pressure to actually drop their price because people know what the real cost and the real value of something is, and they're not willing to pay 10 times, 15 times more. And I would, you know, a devil's advocate say, your $40 CBC is actually more like 400 in the hospital. I mean, they just go all to, they go nuts when they're, when they're gouging. It's not like a little dip. They're really just taking you to the cleaners and they could care less. And my thing is, I think that they want the prices to stay high because it gives that fear factor that people need them or that, that, me, that, that mentality that I have to have insurance, otherwise I'm going to die. And that's how they get us, I think. You, no, you're great. Yeah, you're 100% right. I, I, I'll tell you two things. I, I think one, and this is a, a sadness, this is why, why we need people like, like yourself out here trumpeting, but there's a fallacy out there you know, that healthcare is too complex it's too difficult. There are too many intricacies in it to fix. Mm-hmm. And therefore, let us step in, third-party payer, whether it's the federal government or, or insurers, let us step in, and we will be the ones that will fix health care or we'll be the ones to manage health care. Mm-hmm. And too many people just don't realize that there is another better way. And that's why we need people like yourself out here, Dr. George, going, there are other better ways to fix health care that we are not locked into this because people like you and me – we want to fix healthcare. We were called to go into medicine so that we can help our patients. And the way we do that as being the caretakers of a healthcare system and actually driving down the cost of care, but doing it in ways that don't harm healthcare, getting rid of the inefficiencies in the system and the way that it's constructed. Uh, and you're right. The system is very happy with it being complex, with it being opaque, and with it being high cost because it almost breeds that fear and dependency that I just can't deal with it myself. I've got to put all of my financial resources to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And W.E.B. Dubois, one of my favorite statements I see is, to whom you give your money is to whom you give your power. I love it. And in the healthcare system, we give all our money you know, to the insurance company or to the federal government, and they take all of our health power as a result. I couldn't have said it better. Now, you know, the whole thing about our healthcare system is that we have the individual and the small businesses. I'm a small business. I assume that you're one as well. That's one of the things that they've gotten us on. You can't afford to uh, provide health insurance for your uh, employees. And when the Affordable Care Act was in full speed with the mandate, that was just a bankrupting situation. You know, how could you afford to pay thousands? And this is one of the solutions, isn't it, that Hip Nation offers. You have a solution for individuals as well as for small business owners, don't you? Yes, we do. So, so just a, a two seconds, like a thirty thousand foot level of what we do mm-hmm. is that we believe that insurance is important and necessary. You know, but insurance should not touch every aspect of healthcare. You know, insurance should be there for those events that worry us, the rare, high cost heart attacks and strokes and cancer diagnoses. So, we say let's take insurance out of the space of healthcare and let's make healthcare healthcare. You know, so what we do is you join Hip Nation at a membership rate. And we give them 100% access to their personal primary care doctor that sees a limited panel of patients, and there is no insurance in that space. So, therefore, my primary care doctors don't code or have all the back office and all the administrative hassles and all the administrative burdens, and, therefore, 
their office becomes more affordable. And we take that same magic wand of insurance and pull it out of labs. That's why I know the price of labs because our members pay the real price for a complete blood count. They a PSA. So those prices are usually about tenfold, and that's being kind on the, you know, lower than what you'll find in the insurance market. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing with imaging. We do the same thing with especially consults and ambulatory surgery that we say, let's pull insurance out of that outpatient space where it won't bankrupt you. And as that payment for the service, when you receive that service, just like we go and buy a gallon of milk in the grocery store, and by doing this, our members get unbelievable health care by having that foundation of a personal primary care doctor that knows them, that can share cell phones and text and telehealth, and they have a lower-cost outpatient ecosystem, if you will, for providing care. So now healthcare becomes more effective, more affordable, higher quality. And then we go out and we say, okay, now let's grab insurance. Well, let's grab unique insurance products that are there for those rare, high-cost, catastrophic events. By doing that, insurance prices drop because they're covering what they're supposed to. Mm. And now we become a full solution for individuals and for employers and for small businesses because we come in with great healthcare service combined with lower price insurance-based products for a full solution and and we love it because our doctors love taking care of patients again our patients love the interaction and engagement that they have you know with our physicians because now it's about the patient not about the system well you know what really struck me i love that there's no question but the fact that you are full service because when i mean direct primary care when it well it's been around for a while but one of the limitations was what do you do when it's a big ticket item? You know, how do you bridge that gap? How do you find specialists who are willing to be affordable and, and be part of your system, an adjunct, and not have the person have to go into the expensive side of the system? And your solution is really, it's just spot on, and it's just so simple and clean. It makes a big difference that patients can stay within the entire system and access it from soup to nuts, for lack of a better way to put it. If you have a t- big ticket item, you're going to be able to use an insurance plan that, and I think too, um, well, actually, let me ask you, have you partnered with the commercial insurances or do you have a separate um, avenue that people can access for catastrophic types of insurance, specific for hypnosis? Yes, we don't, yeah, so we do not do the BUCAs, the Blues, United, Cigna, Aetna, and Humana. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, they, they're, they're as much of a problem in the system. Well, they are, I think. The <laughs> it's not surprising, actually. <laughs> Uh, so I have no interest in, in engaging with them. So we have gone out and we do a couple of different things. One, there are some very unique, innovative insurance products that are out here that realize the marketplace is changing. People can't afford insurance the way it's currently constructed. Insurance has way overstepped its bounds and is doing things that it was never supposed to be doing. And like most cool things that are going on in the world, when you see unique, innovative products, you search out other unique, innovative products, and, and together you go, we can really make a difference. And so now we actually have some insurance products that are matching up and pairing with us going, how do we make our insurance products actually meet the needs of your members, your patients better than what our current product does? Mm-hmm. Insurance is starting to adapt and change to meet the needs of the consumer as opposed to the consumer being at the, at the behest of the insurance companies. And so so they're out they're unique insurance-based products, large value companies, and uh, I mean, we we use some companies that are that have have over forty billion dollars under asset management, um, but they're just unique insurance products that are different 
than what everybody thinks about with the Blues and, and, and United Healthcare. Has it gotten easier since the finding these companies, or have they started mushrooming and popping up since the mandate has been removed from the ACA? Well, the, so these have been around for a little bit. The, the fun part about the insurance companies, and actually, I'll tell you, one of the fun parts about the ACA, one of my friends, uh, Josh Umbar, likes to say, is that he he, was, he loves the Affordable Care Act uh, because it has really driven innovation in healthcare. It really just made enough, it's, I think it slapped a bunch of physicians and said, wait a minute, you're going to you know lose control of, of taking care of your patients and, and miss your calling of providing care for people. And it woke a lot of physicians up to become innovators in the space of healthcare. Well, that same thing has happened a little bit in the insurance space is that as insurance premiums have continued to go up and deductibles have continued to go up, you know, these insurance products that were kind of out here a little bit on the sidelines, if you will, have become more and more mainstream because they're going, we've got, we can fit the need and the needs of the market. And so they've kind of stepped into the, into this, this space now. And, and yeah, as we've, Seen some of the changes with uh, within some of the administration with association health plans and some of the, the work that has been you know, happening at the federal level. I that really is going to truly kick in on on April one uh, with some of the work with AHP association health plans. There's a next generation of, of of changes coming down the pipeline for small businesses where we can bring small businesses together and, and allow them to disperse that risk for those bad events amongst a larger cohort of, of members and provide unique healthcare services like we do and create the same thing, unique insurance products that help protect them, and but do it at a larger scale, which mm-hmm. is going to be, I think, a really, really cool uh, change and, and a real help for small businesses like yours and mine. Yes, imagine having the power of a big, a big corporation and being a small business. We've never had that power. We've actually paid more in the past for health care plans than, than they have. So I'm really loving that. Um, and I also yep, love the exactly fact right. they won't have to use the blues or any of those, those other commercial insurance companies. They've made a business out of making you pay for a product that you can't use and, and having doctors sign on to be providers, which I can't stand that word, but to offer the medical care and then not pay us. They've made a cottage industry out of that. And I'm a big believer, too, of what you said. Whoever has the power pocketbook has the power. Has there been any movement from a legislative standpoint to have health savings accounts be used for things like HipNation? There's our dream. So, yes. So we have legislation that has passed, and this is through the federal level, so we've had legislation that's come out of the House now that is allowing HSAs to be utilized under a, a membership kind of model that we do here within HipNation and, and the foundation of what's direct primary care. And so that's gotten out of the House. It's got bipartisan support. This is something that's been actually supported for, for a while in a bipartisan way. Mm-hmm. It's got to get through the Senate. Uh, if it gets to the House, I mean, to the White House, the president's going to sign it. So we're, we're, we're moving that ball down the street. There's been a lot of people doing a lot of the heavy lifting uh, to try, you know, within the direct primary care movement to try to help push that legislation across. And, and we're very blessed to have a lot of really dedicated evangelists uh, that continue to try to push on, on at the federal level to move things like that because that would be a game changer mm-hmm. in, in the space of, of giving people power back to control their health care dollars. And that's the key. That's what makes being a self-pay patient so powerful is that it's your money. But if you could have the government get behind you so you can save your money 
and make it even more powerful. I think it should also be used as generational wealth, frankly. So if you're not using it, you can pass it to a loved one. You can actually continue to save money and have an, an, a, basically an army chest that you can use for whatever you want from a healthcare perspective without anybody telling you it's not medically necessary and you can't have it. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, imagine, you know, imagine uncles being able to give money into their, you know, their nephews or nieces, uh, you know, the health savings account, or if you have a, a loved one of yours that you know is on hard times and mm-hmm. you go, hey, I can put money in tax-free into your health savings account or, you know, have churches set up, you know, health savings accounts for members. I mean, just free up the funds within our society to allow it to be utilized in, in this way. Um, it, it allows us as, as, again, fellow members of our society to help take care of, of, of our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and, and and empower them to better health because, I mean, as you know as much as I do, I mean, one of the more most valuable assets that we have as we walk through this world is our health. And if we don't have our health, the rest of it really means so very little. I agree with you completely on that. Um, one of the question I had is about the specialist aspect. We talked about the primary care and how patients pay a one-flat fee and they're able to see their primary care 24-7 access the disease, chronic disease management, uh, complete, for that, whether that's nutritional, counseling, et cetera. What happens when it's a specialist? Mm-hmm. Because they're not necessarily part, like, direct, directly in that, in that particular that's payment correct. chain. Yeah, they're not part of the, 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 the community. And so we have two venues that we do within our community. You know, one, we're about empowering our primary care physicians. Uh, studies show that primary care physicians right now work at about a third of their licensure. They're too busy doing too many things of meeting all the metrics of the third-party payer and seeing too many patients to really be able to maximize their ability to be talented, intelligent physicians. And so we, one, give our primary care doctors more time. So we see a decrease in downstream referrals to specialists. Two, we give our specialists and our primary care doctors a platform to communicate with each other so that sometimes we can just have a, a primary care physician reach out with a quick question for me. We call it a curbside consultation. Just ask me a quick question that might actually be able to minimize that need for that member to come into my office. But if it is a problem that needs to come into my office, well, then we've created you know that price transparent, open payment at the point of service model so that when our members go to see the, their specialty physicians, they pay the specialist at the point of service. And our specialists, like like you would know, Dr. George, are going, I'm willing to take less if you pay me cash than mm-hmm. if I have to go put it through an insurance company. So our, our members end up saving money by paying at the point of service for, for specialty care. So it's a win-win situation, and it's always accessed on the cash-based Model, not on the insurance model, which, as you said, it saves the people, saves folks money right off the bat. That's good for everybody, I think. It really is. It's always tell people that the sadness of today's healthcare system is that people are paying exorbitantly high premiums, carrying high deductibles for the benefit of paying high insurance prices for health care. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Not at all. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation 
to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call, where we're living in the solution and having a really important and empowering conversation with Dr. Brian Hill of Hip Nation. Now, in our last segment, Brian, I wanted to ask you exactly what you think is this? Is this something that you think can become the system of the future, where this is going to be? And I know it's in Georgia, but is it nationwide, or do you foresee it being a nationwide phenomenon? Yeah, we definitely do. Oh, yeah, we want we, 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 the, the movement in direct primary care is growing at about 8% a year, which is actually, unfortunately, pretty slow growth. But it's the second biggest movement in healthcare. We just find, believe and actually see in the numbers that we just need to find accelerants to actually really help take this and drive this nationally. And, and the economics are such that it, it does work. It just needs to be empowered with some, some, you know, knowledge and support behind it. But so, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think this is tomorrow. This is the way, this is the way healthcare is going to be. Uh, certainly that's my plan. <laughs> well, you know, anything I can do to help you with, you know, bring that plan into fruition, you've got my, my absolute support because I love what I do. I don't want to stop being a physician. I don't want to settle and become an agent for the, for the system, just gathering data right. and not helping my patient. That's not why I went into medicine. Amen. No, I agree 100. percent I'm I'm there with you. That's like that's not our calling. You know, <laughs> and, the, and the thing I told you when we we met at dinner, I I said you know that it's that that willingness to stand up and buck the system. And, and I tell you the the cool part and and the cool part about what you do is, you know, a lot of physicians are just stuck as a cog in the wheel and they just don't quite realize it and they're almost as stuck as much of a, as our our patients are that they they feel that they just don't have another way out or don't even think about another way out. I push my way through and to have somebody like you that kind of, you know, you'd say the word, you know, that be that overused word of being awoke, but by being aware and, and waking up and always haven't been that way. Um, that's, that's unique. Well, it's that little voice, you know, that says, if you're not happy, change it. And I wasn't willing, I had two choices. I'm sure you had this epiphany at one point, either I keep doing the same thing and be miserable or I leave it. Mm-hmm. And I decided I'm not doing either. <laughs> There's a third choice. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't spend all this time, and I've always wanted to do medicine since I was a kid, two years old, three years old. No one has the right to run me out of what God put me on this earth to do. I'm not going to do it. I was just very stubborn, yep. and I'm going to find a way out around it. And the cool part about it is that you start when you start talking, you actually find like-minded folks, doctors and patients. We're out here. We just need to start talking to each other. Yep. And that's the Trump thing. I think that's a part of, of creating this movement. Like you said, if this really be a movement for, for tomorrow, it is finding those like-minded people, bringing them together, starting to create a, a louder, unified voice because the voices are out there. There's, there's disparate, uh, they're, they're kind of almost, you know, I said, kind of scattered about. But if we can start bringing them together, start creating a more ability to create a louder trumpet sound, mm-hmm. then, then 
you know, we're in this innovator's curve. And so, you know, as we kind of move march our way down that, that pathway towards disruption, as we start gaining more and more, you know, steam, more and more people are going to hear about us. The, the rapidity of the movement is going to grow and we're going to hit stick and and it's just a matter of us trying to say how can we really accelerate that well you know what's it's all about getting the word out how are you how do patients finding out about hypnation do you have uh, a national campaign or at least a local campaign that's going on what's your way of reaching out yeah, so right now we are we have a, a local campaign we're doing now. It's kind of an internal campaign. We have just partnered with actually one of those people that are accelerants. We've partnered with a, a marketing and branding uh, group uh, that is just an awesome, awesome group of people and and just unbelievably talented. But they are, are people that create that that brand awareness. They do the the marketing. They understand the the to get their you know, to get people to look and listen, they get, they understand how to make a complex idea of what we're talking about and a scary sometimes idea in people's minds. How do we make it more, more palatable and more, you know, understandable? Mm-hmm. And so we're going through that process right now with this group. And, and while we have a campaign up with a small and close campaign that we're doing now through local media, through, uh, through, um, some radio, uh, and, and our word of mouth is just unbelievable. You know, this group is really one that's going to help us, um, I think, be the accelerant that we really need. And so they, they, they say that their group, they're called, they're called the Growth Society and Vista Growth is their group. And, and they love what we're doing. They're, they're similarly hearted people that they, they, we love taking great ideas, especially ones that can, you know, create a great impact. Mm-hmm. And we love to accelerate those. And so, um, so that's going to be probably really, uh, that, that big kickoff is probably going to be really maybe, uh, February, March, you know, maybe March, April, or next year as they uh, try to really help us um, put this movement on steroids. I would say this, Dr. Nick saw one of the guy, gentlemen the other day, uh, one of one of our you know trumpeters, and he sent me a, a text afterwards, and he was just elated. He goes, "This was unbelievable. I've never had." a physician's appointment like this before. I've never had that time to sit down and have a conversation. We spent 90 minutes mm-hmm. just talking you know about health and and my body and my mind and he goes it was just unbelievable well i'm sure for dr nick it was also an unbelievable unbelievable experience because there's nothing like having a connection with your patient and and no, being a partner again yeah being a partnership and this is the future of medicine we now have put the power and you're giving us the powers doctors and patients to for lack of a better way, take take the ball, take our power back, and opt away from this system. And I think that's how the system changes. It's not from the government, yeah. per se. It's from us having a powerful and positive alternative. It's locking arms. I mean, really what it is, and, and I think you said it great, you know, it, that, that just that, you know, that there, we're, we're out here as individuals, we just have to find these people. We go, let's, let's lock another arm. Mm-hmm. Let's lock another arm. You know, and, and as we continue to lock and bring more and more people in and, and start continuing to grow in the same direction, man, um, it, uh, so our momentum grows. And and so we're, we're excited. I mean, you know, we, I mean, we're so excited about uh, and feel very blessed. You know, if you want to be, just be given a platform, you know, to be able to go out and, and do this and, and be able to bring physicians together. And, and two, to have physicians like you that go, that's kind of cool. That's where we need to be. And, and, 
and we're actually even our members are are, are evangelists for us. Uh, we have a company of 40 people that that one of our members is in the company, and she went to their their owner and went, "You've got to get Hit Nation. You you've got to use this. This service is unbelievable. The care that I get from my doctor is unbelievable." And uh, so they're getting it. It's it's just it's coming. I'm so happy. In the last uh, few seconds that we have, how can people reach you or find out more about Hip Nation? Sure. They can go on to our website. It's uh, hipnation, H-I-P-Nation.com. Uh, they can you know, catch that there. My my email is B as in boy, Hill, H-I-L-L, at hipnation.com. Uh, but they can go out and, and catch us on the website, get information there. We've got to contact us as well. We'll, we, we'll reach out and you know, have a conversation and fill you in on what we're doing and how we can, you know, provide better care at a lower cost and change healthcare together. Um, Brian, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an honor to have you. And I, full disclosure, it's a pleasure to be a member of Hip Nation as a specialist provider or a doctor providing services. And I look forward to seeing your yeah. patients, our patients, I should say, and making a difference. Thank you so much for coming on Medicine on Call. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.